I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is TV worth talking about. You didn't float up the wagon on a bubble. I'm veering towards muffins. Stop making a turn of yourself and piss off. This is Shrine of Duty. Welcome to Shrine of Duty. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rebecca. Well, lads, we're only one episode in and we've already learned loads. We learned that Joe Davison has eyesight so phenomenal she can see through walls. <laughs> we suspect that Kate may be in a same-sex and extremely complicated relationship. And, of course, we learned what a chiz is. What's a chiz? Covert. Covert. Human, human intelligence, intelligence source. source. Yes, well done. Uh, this week, Reb will have your lines of juicy and she'll be taking a look at what to expect from next week's episode. And I'll be running through some of your many and amazing and wild thoughts and theories. But first, Hannah is up with a recap of season six, episode one. Okay, guys, here we go. So the episode opens in the offices of murder investigation at Hillside Police Station. Officer Farida Jatry gets a phone call and she alerts her fellow officers, Bales and Chris, that they need to move out. So Farida is played by Ankia Rose. Chris is played by Pe- Perry Fitzpatrick. So we'll do a quick history lesson on Farida. We first met her back in season four, working on Operation Trapdoor in Polk Avenue alongside Roz and Buckles and the late Tim Ifield. So she was involved with Michael Farmer's arrest for the kidnapping of Hannah Reznikova and murdering Baz Windecourt. Then our guest lead for the season makes her entrance. So DCI Joe Davidson, played by Kelly McDonald, has been called to the station by her team. They had a call from a chiz, which is a covert human, human intelligence, intelligence source. I keep going to say system. Yes, Someone said intel yeah. instead of intelligence as well. It can be either, apparently. Okay. So they've had a call from their chiz handler who submitted info Excuse regarding me? Gail Vela's murder. Chiz handler is such an <laughs> appalling phrase, isn't it? Like there's so many other words they could have used. The amount of people tweeting jizz, I was like, it oh was dear trending. God. <laughs> But guys, how many times is the word chiz in that episode? Yeah, they really, like, they overdid it, didn't they? They overchizzed. Okay, so <laughs> the chiz handler got in touch. He rang Farida. He was like, I have info regarding Gail Vela's murder. And the team are like, oh shit, because it's the first breakthrough in months. And they ring Joe and here she comes. So a police suspect allegedly made a uh, confession. And Joe says, let's bring the suspect in and then gives a look that's like really hard to read, which you'll do 
over the next hour. So then everyone is getting dragged out of bed because next thing we know, it's Buckles, baby. He is back and he is running the show. Joe asks him for permission to run with the intel that they got and go after the suspect. But Buckles is not happy that the Chiz is a sex worker. And he tells Joe that he was probably off his face and he needs more time to think about it. A frustrated Chris then calls off the police officers, tells them to stand down. And we get another one of Joe Davidson's looks like uh, oh, can I just say one thing uh, yeah. Buckles is now a superintendent right obviously in previous seasons Hilton was promoting him but like how does he keep getting promoted like to quote Heather Small how does he keep moving on up <laughs> what's going on with him because Andrea Wise and Rohan are just like there you go mate there's a job for you he does sweet F all though doesn't he he just wants his coffee guys Buckles is a puppet and I have a theory on this later on a personal theory that I will divulge to you very good also Chris looks like fake Dot oh 100% he's like a cross between Dot and um, your man that was in season uh, Rod season oh yeah he's a cross between Dot and Rod you love Rod Brendan Dot (laughs) Dot We'll call him Dodgy Dot. Okay, so it's the next morning and the team at Hillside away briefing. We spot Kate and presume she's undercover. But hang on a second. Joe addresses her using her full name. What's going on there? Fell off the chair. The group are working. Mm. And she also the group says, are working. She's, I think that Joe was quite flirty here. She's like, oh, don't think I didn't notice uh, Kate Fleming skulking in late or something. And I thought it was quite... Yeah. Flirty. She's like glass houses, boss. Yeah, very flirty from the get-go, lads. Well, Brendan, didn't you cop that straight away? It took me until it was spelled out that Joe um, was gay for me to realise what was going on. I definitely thought from the get-go there was something like romantically going on between them also why is Kate Lake coming into work if her husband and son she's not living with them anymore what's she been up to yeah but Joe but Joe uh, were they right she said yeah I think so yeah yeah Yeah. bloody hell no guys I don't think they were riding okay I think Kate was late for another reason let's asterisk it okay so the group are working on Operation Lighthouse in the unsolved murder of Gail Vella, who was killed on the 10th of September 2019. It's now the 27th of October 2020, so almost a year later, and the police are none the wiser. Joe apologizes to her team for calling off the op the night before, blaming Buckles. He wanted to get exec level sign off. So the name of the suspect that they got the intel on from the Chiz is Ross Turner, but it looks like that must be an alias because it's not showing up on any police database. He apparently lives at flat 4F Beechwood House and he's being surveyed. The team captured a blurry image of him. He's likely to be armed and considered extremely dangerous. There's lots of fours in this episode, guys. Someone had There's said, fours someone, everywhere. someone commented that uh, knowing line of duty, they're surprised the flat wasn't uh, 4H or 7H. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they're not letting us forget what happened yeah. at the end. It's of dead season. into a bit of numerology. Oh, we might have to look into that. Yeah, we'll do that later. Um, That can be a new segment. So armed police sign their guns out and they roll out in a convoy of four black vehicles, two of which randomly updated to newer models during the scene in a continuity error that fans picked up on. Did you guys realise this? No, I did not. No. Okay, so I obviously didn't either, but it was all over Twitter. And um, when I watched the show again to do my notes, it's very obvious. Like they literally, and I don't know anything about cars, but they change from cars into Jeeps and then back into cars. 
So it's not even like, oh, it was a different maker model. Like they're completely different. But the cars put on a bit of lockdown weight as well. Exactly, Brenda, my love. I'd say BMW now. What I would say happened there is they got a deal. And then I'd say BMW threw a fit and were like, you're not putting old models in the episode. And I'd say there was a big panic because they'd already shot half of it. I could just feel that there was a lot of stress involved Nokia there. and Bond. Like the James Bond movie hasn't come out because they were using a 3310. <laughs> Can you imagine the emails and the stress going back and forth around that? Um, okay, so Joe is riding with Kate. They're flying through a village when miraculously, out of the corner of her eye at top speed, she spots a completely unsuspicious grey van parked down a side street in front of a bookies. She orders the driver to reroute the car around the back and she radios in on a possible armed robbery. Kate's absolutely baffled, as are Chris and Frida in the vehicle behind. So the four black vehicles park around the corner from the grey van. Kate radios in the red and it matches a red BMW, did someone say product placement, three series. And Kate's <laughs> like, okay, fair enough, but it's only a fake plate boss. But Joe's heard enough and she radios for permission to deploy the team of armed police. She gets permission and the two black vans block the grey van in armed police pour out of the vans and surround the bookies. The driver of the grey van, who's no more than a teenager, holds his hands up. Four balaclava-clad, very young men run out of the bookies. Three drop into their knees immediately with their hands up. The fourth, however, runs into the centre of the road and looks like he's about to hold up a sawn-off shotgun. Before he can, he's shot by an AFO. It's really going down, so Joe's like, shit, shit, shit. Kate radios for an ambulance. Joe then requests urgent replacement AFOs to c- continue on with the convoy and arrest the Vela suspect, but that's going to take an hour. She then asks Kate to stay in charge of the scene, which I think is really important. Mm. So she, Joe, can go and sort out the Vela suspect. So that all happened within the first 10 minutes. What did you guys think about that? Think about the people in the bookies? Like, do we yeah. think Joe is dodgy? I think that Joe is dodgy to a certain level but she's not anywhere near the top level I think they're they're making her out to be dodgier than she is I think the shit 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 I think the person who got shot dead outside the bookies is someone who maybe she needed because I think her shit 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 was more than just oh god we've killed a man I think it was that person was important to her maybe I'm not sure yeah, I can't I really figure it out. I, 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 when I rewatched the episode, um, so the first night I was watching, I was doing the tweets, I and I just didn't know what was going on. But when I rewatched it yesterday, I understood better, and I felt like they're really—is it a Ted or Jed Herring that they're trying to make Joe look so so bent? But when you actually listen to what she says and see what she does, she hasn't done anything. Yes, apart from notice that van. Yeah, which was dodgy. The, it, it it just looks way too coincidental. But I'm like, I don't know. I I can't figure her out. I don't think that she is a H, but I think that she has a serious backstory and maybe motive for being bent. It's very Jane Acres first scene with Rashinda Sandal, yes. Lisa McQueen, the beginning of episode five, where I I read the shit 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 as. I was told to, um, you know, not let this convoy go on to the suspect so that he could escape. However, I didn't think I was going to get an innocent teenager or mostly innocent teenager shot dead in the street. Yeah, but I also thought, is she involved because they just wanted her to delay the um, the going into the suspect's house uh, of the Gail Vella murder so they can basically plant Terry there and then get uh, the actual murderer to flee? 
That's how I would read it if we didn't literally already have that storyline with Jane Akers. So I think she needs to be deeper involved yeah, than just yeah. the person that, um, you know, kidnapped the convoy or whatever. Yeah, I was expecting an ambush. It was very interesting to see in the first kind of 15 minutes that there was a bit of action, but this episode is such a scene setter for, I would say, an explosive series. Oh my God, I can't, I can't wait, guys. Okay, so officers pull balaclavas from the suspects. Kate takes a good look, but doesn't seem to recognize anyone. They're all young adults. The man who was shot is receiving CPR, so it's not looking good for him. We do stay with one floppy-haired guy for an extra beat. Is he of some sort of importance? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I felt like Kate, for one moment, I was like, was he putting his head down because he was worried Kate was going to recognize him or did she recognize him? She stares for quite a while. Um. Also, um, there is a face or Facebook and Twitter user called AC12Ninja and they pointed out that this actor is actually listed in the credits as Jake and none of the others are. Um, so does this kind of mean that maybe this character could be a bigger part of the story and maybe he's connected to Kate's past in some way? They all also live at the, oh. at the same boys' home as well when their files oh, that's are brought really up. interesting. So I'm like, yeah, I something think... with, with him, it was just yeah. so weird. He also looks really like Kate as well. There's they look like they could be related there, or something. Yeah, I just was like, what is going on here now? They just stared at each other for a bit too long. Okay, so we're 10 minutes in and we get our first look at Ted and Steve. So Steve is still a sergeant and still at AC12, working on petty corruption cases alongside new cast member, Sean Bruni Franklin, who plays DC Chloe Bishop. Now guys, I looked up like the rankings of police in the UK and sergeant is only second on the list. So and he that is helps me fed up, like he is done. Yeah. So grumpy that helps me understand why he's so frustrated because he's 35 and DC Chloe Bishop and she looks like she's in her early 20s is only one rank below him and he's still on the second rank after everything he's accomplished mm, it's just not right so Steve is bored and depressed with his fullest beard to date um, and it looks like the exciting cases have dried up for AC12 following the investigation into Ted that we saw in season 5 so, meanwhile, at the armed robbery, or was it, Joe heads out to arrest the Gail Vela suspect in magically updated BMW Jeep. <laughs> Farida and Chris are fuming over the time wasted, and the surveillance team, one of which is a Dublin actor called Dermot Noise, oh. reports, yeah, reports that the suspect the is dubs. still in his bath. Up the dubs. The convoys have arrived. Joe is flat out on the radio setting everything up and the AFOs get to the apartment building and it's all number four, fourth floor, four on the wall. Then we get some cool body cam footage just before the armed police ram the door in. They pop Throw and back they arrest. to season one with the shaky cam. No. <laughs> 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 in they pop they arrest poor old Te Terry Boyle he's played by the wonderful Tommy Jessup in the last two seasons however we first met the character all the way back in season one so Terry is brought to Hillside and Joe's team investigate the flat alongside forensics then Joe right outside randomly tells an AFO thanks for stepping in totally fantastic work and the way she says it it was so weird. I couldn't stop thinking of, do you guys remember when John Travolta had to present an award <laughs> to, to Dina Menzel? And the Dina Menzel, and he said, the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazeem. Please remember that she goes, totally fantastic work. 
weird. So weird. Um, Okay, so we're back at Hillside. Joe, Chris, and Kate discuss Terry's arrest. Now, Joe knew from the minute she saw Terry. Can can I just stop you for one second? So, just before we left the flats there, there was uh, Joe was looking for confirmation of whether or not there was somebody inside, and there was a ridiculously long delay in the the, the officers inside radio, radioing back any information. I think that was a deliberate pause. Like there was a long time of nothing. And I think it was for a reason. And she was t- kind of taking her time. To- like the, yeah. the whole thing just seemed to be, I was like, come on lads now, break through that door. Like, do you think they were letting someone escape? Or, or were they sticking those photos of Gail Vella on the wall? I don't know. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh because they, but also, like, guys, there's a huge, a few hour gap between them trying to go and arrest the suspect and them actually getting there. Yeah, and Joe has basically, in a, in some way, picked the team that's gone in here because she's diverted one team and probably knew who the backup team was and went, yeah. oh, send them. She so needed a whole new team of AFOs to come in because she's they had shot the people outside the bookies. That guys, that didn't cross my mind at all. Mm. great detective work totally overthinking it but anyway no I don't think so at all okay so back at Hillside Joe, Chris and Kate discussed Terry's arrest Joe knew from the minute she saw Terry that she messed up it seems more relaxed now and she's flirting up a storm with Kate if you ask me um, the case against Terry is very flaky and to make matters worse well the chiz has only gone missing and then Kate reminds the room that a person with learning difficulties is more likely to be the victim of the of a crime than the perpetrator. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's very reminiscent of Michael Farmer in season four. I like the parallels, kind of one, two, and three was almost like one story arc. And then we're seeing four, five, and six, hopefully all linked together. And it's, it's kind of happening. Yes, Reb, I couldn't agree more. And even the fact that Buckles is back and Farida worked on Operation Trapdoor at Polk Street, it's all very connected. Yeah, and Joe's really under that same pressure that Roz was under. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it's so similar. So back at AC12, Steve is fuming that Farida has arrived to chat with him so late. He tries to fob her off to AC3, but she catches his attention when she tells him that she works on the hill. While Farida waits in an interview room, Steve looks at Kate's profile photo. And then my sister noticed here that her parents were listed as her next of kin. And she was like, oh, I bet you Kate's divorced. Now, obviously, we learned that they're separated later in the episode. I thought that was a very good spot. It was. I mean, that marriage has been on the rocks in season one, lads. Yeah, they had a plaster over it in season five. But I mean, you can't just go to the cinema and pretend everything's okay. I'm sorry. You can't go from Um, living in your car and being locked out of your house to everything being okay. Yeah, and you you said that, Rev, in our season five recap. It was just never going to work. So it seemed unrealistic. In the clip, no, in the clip that the BBC released last week, we see uh, this is the next scene. So Andrea Wise has uh, rocked into AC12 for a meeting and then Ted comes in and he's like, oh, did I not get the invitation? And she tells him he's not on the list. Did you hear so what she was saying? in the yes. like When they pan to her on the camera, I couldn't stop laughing. She's like whispering, talking to someone. And she's like, with any luck, they'll stop reporting them. Figures will look better. Yeah. Very bomb, yeah, yeah, chicka yeah. Jill Very Bigelow. Jill Bigelow, yeah. Oh, I couldn't stop laughing. Like, it's so it's so quick. Like, just literally yeah. panning over and it's like, well. I don't think she's even on camera as she's saying it. You <laughs> no. just overhear her. Yeah. <laughs> She's so and dodgy. I love Ted's entrance into that scene because he's just like giving the two fingers to everyone he walks past, big smiles, like rocking up. And then he's like, oh, I'm not allowed in the meeting. 
Um, so she tells him there's plenty who think I'm lucky not to have been removed from his post before reminding him to keep his head down. And he's just not himself in this episode at all, guys. Not a lot there's of Ted been- in this episode, but I mean, when he is in it, we get the Tedisms. Like he does shine. But there's an awful atmosphere in AC12, though. I feel like they've been hit really hard by him being investigated. And I just think they're getting to deal with the really shit corruption cases. Yeah. And they're it just all seems really boring. Flat. Yeah. yeah. And he's just Very so out of the flat. loop now. And he's just lost that kind of power that he had, or that kind of, what's the word, um, authority. Yeah. And his spark is gone. Um, later that day, Steve briefs Ted on Farouk's statement. So we learned that Joe arrived at Hill now. Listen to this, right? She arrived at the hill one month after Vela's murder, mm. replacing the previous SIO on the case. We've known that to happen in two other incidences, both times with Buckles. In season one, he replaced Tony Gates, oh my God. appointed by Hilton. In season four, he replaced Roz also appointed by Hilton. Hilton turned out to be a dodgy boy and then he kills himself. And who is in charge of Joe and Hill, the Hill now? Buckles. So that's very mysterious altogether. And like I what happened can't. in that one month between Gail being murdered and who was the investigating officer before her? Exactly. Yeah. And why was she removed? Yeah, a I lot say of people asking wa- that in their thoughts and theories. Because she wasn't dodgy and they were like, whip her out get someone bent in quick or at least someone that we can manipulate because I think that a police officer killed Vela. Yeah. Um, Joe's backstory as well, there obviously seems to be, she's got a hundred locks on her door. Like there's obviously something in her past she's trying to hide. So if they know that they can manipulate her even more. Exactly. And all of the issues in AC12 are either from truly dodgy people or people that exist in a grey area in which they're being manipulated buy an OCG or blackmailed for something like small that's in their lives. So uh, she could be one of those. So we learn in this scene that Bella was shot dead exiting her car, which is parked outside her house in Kingsgate. Mm. Farida claims the suspect lacks the capacity to have carried out the murder. She also ratted on Joe over the armed robbery diversion. But there's no previous criticism of Joe on record, which is exactly why she was placed there, I'd imagine. And this is when Ted seemingly learns that Kate is on Joe's team because he's like flicking through this brown envelope. And he swiftly changed the subject to remark that DC Chloe's getting on very well at AC12 and like starts asking Ted about Chloe just to really quickly move away from Kate. The pair then share a meaningful look. That's Ted and Steve. Before Ted tells Steve that he'll need a lot more info before he can fully authorize an inquiry. Now, I believe there was a line of juicy here. How'd your wished? I need more. <laughs> I need more. Um, and Steve skulks out. Steve then goes to meet DC Nicola Rogerson for a coffee history lesson. She is still with Major Violent Crime, where she worked in season two under the late bent Lester Hargreaves. <laughs> She dated uh, Steve at the time and returned in season three to give Dot a file on Ronan Murphy, which he then tampered with, mm. gave it to jail to cover up for the men involved with the Sandsview boys' home. So Steve tells Nicola, who's now a death, that he's reached the end of the line in anti-corruption. He wants a new challenge and it looks like he's in with um, murder or major violent crime. Nicola asks him for, her, for a drink, but he turns her down. 
So later, Kate, Chris and Joe, they're at Terry's flat. They found a number of magazine clippings of Gail Vella. They've also found a second set of prints and evidence that the flat door was forced open prior to the armed arrest. It's it looks all like just, Terry. it's too easily set up. Like it was scrubbed and then these pictures are just stuck there and it's the door's definitely been bashed in. Like it's a complete setup. It's so obvious it's a setup. Exactly. It looks basically looks like Terry had a chair up against the door which obviously implies that he was afraid or trying to keep someone out and the top of that chair all the wood is chipped on it but that's which, not his flat though he doesn't live there does he? no no no, no. he lives in Kingsgate yeah, off to the printing that's service that's not his flat yeah but I feel like he could mm, someone was in there or something yeah I know it's not his flat but he was in there unless they mm. made him go in there well they three um, and a half bloody hours because of buckles Oh, stop. So Terry's been okayed for interview. Back at Hillside, he's questioned by Chris and Joe. He's joined by his solicitor, an appropriate adult. Kate watches on a monitor in another room. We get the first beep of the season and Terry is cautioned. His solicitor then reveals his name is Terry Boyle, not Ross Turner. She confirms that Beechwood House is not his home. It's actually the apartment that we know from season five. It's opposite Kingsgate Printing Services. It's flat B, Dalton Villas. Now, unfortunately for Terry, Gail also lived in the Kingsgate area, which uh, isn't looking great. Joe then shows Terry an image of Gail and he says that she's a nice lady. Um, back at AC12, Chloe has the ID of the armed robbers who attempted to rob the bookies. The names are Daniel Perinel, Kevin Fairmount and Reb, as you said, Jake Killigan. They've hardly a charge between them, like really petty teenage stuff. They robbed and a Greg's apparently. <laughs> Did they rob a Greg? I just, honestly, a vegan sausage roll just popped into my head the second that the line was said. <laughs> um, so Steve and Chloe suspect corruption and after a trip to the crime scene, they are convinced. Meanwhile, Kate visits King's, uh, Terry's Kingsgate flat. It's practically empty. There are forensics everywhere and a big fridge-freezer-shaped towel in the corner. Oh, the home of Jackie Love's leg herself. Jackie's leg. All that remains is a creepy collage of Gail Vella. Back at Hillside, Kate and Joe discuss the case. What they really need is confirmation from the Chiz on Terry's alleged confession, because this whole thing kicked off because the Chiz allegedly told his handler, who's a policeman, that Terry confessed to this but now all of a sudden he's missing. Now, guys, does Kate, tell- does Kate not know Terry? Did Kate and Terry never meet face to face in any of the previous seasons? I don't Would think so. Not- I don't think she does know. I don't think so. I think that when we met Terry, it was Miroslav. Tony it Gates was Ryan, called over to interview him, didn't he? To- yeah, maybe yeah. Kate never actually. Okay. The, okay. Uh, the AC12 mightn't be aware of him, but I'm sure they could figure it out. Because I also thought in one of the very first scenes, the first time we saw Operation Lighthouse, that when his blurry image was brought up on screen, I thought Kate kind of looked as if she recognised him. But again, reading too so, much into it. I feel like... This, this feeds into a theory that I have later that I'll bring up okay, in this cool. section. Yeah, okay, Rob, well, I'll save it all for that then. Um, okay, so Joe and Kate really need this confirmation from the Chiz. Joe then tells Kate to set up an urgent meeting with the Chiz's handler, DS Marks. So the trio meet in a car park, but Marks is absolutely not giving up his source's identity despite admitting that he's worried about him. So Steve gives Farida a ring, but she's ignoring his calls and she's looking very shifty at work. Kate then texts the ex-husband to try and see her son, Josh. Buckles calls Joe into his office. 
The Chief is looking for an update on the Vela suspect and Buckles isn't happy. Now, guys, we know from the QR code that the BBC popped into the trailer that the Chief is, in fact, Philip Osborne. Mm. Yeah. He is the man from all the way back in season one. He tried to convince Steve Arnott and his team of armed officers to lie in their official report of why a completely innocent man was shot dead in front of his wife and child in an armed raid that went wrong, a terrorism raid. Um, so that's the chief. And Buckles is the chief, this, the chief, that. So that's who he's talking about when he's referring to that. There's obviously pressure from upstairs. I felt like there was a line of juicy here, but it's not actually a line of juicy. It's just absolutely gas. Like Buckles does absolutely nothing. Um, and he goes, I should have been back home ages ago with my feet up. Yeah, like yeah, he's like yeah. fobbing her off. He's like, go on now. Exactly. And she's fuming. So Joe then shuts the door to Buckles' office, right? And the whole place swings around for a look. So that must be a really rare thing to happen. But you've also and definitely been in an office where this has happened in your own real life. You know, when a door closes and everyone just gets that feeling. And you're like, you know, oh. you're like, you're, you're like, you don't want to look, but you're straining your ears to hear through the wall. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they do that so well. And one of the things that I always do, so I, I watched this on Sunday night and I ended up just throwing it on again as soon as it was over and nearly just watching it in the background while I was on Twitter. Put it on again last night to do my notes and I put the subtitles on, which I would really recommend for anyone that wants to go deep into Line of Duty. It helps so much. So, it helps so much, but they also subtitle a lot of the stuff that you can't hear or actually shouldn't be able to hear. To, like mumbling and stuff like that. So you'll pick up the whole interview or the whole conversation between Buckles and Joe in this room. So she says, if we want this to go the way we want, we need to find out who he is. Fuck the handler. Fuck the chiz. Now, Joe tells Frida that she might leave soon. So she storms out of Buckles' office and she's like, I might leave soon. And Frida was like, I was thinking the same. And Joe gives her a look that could cut through metal, which we understand in a few minutes. But at the start, yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, I'm not being, <laughs> I got it straight away. I was like, these two are together and they're not together anymore. Like they just, the look was done so well. I was terrified. Um, before Joe can head off, Kate has learned that when they were pissing around at the fake arms robbery, Surveillance on Terry's Beechwood residence was pulled for three and a half hours because Buckles messed up on the paperwork. He gave the incorrect level of authority that was required. So they had to pull the surveillance while they got proper authority to go back on with the type of telescope that they had. Ridiculous yeah, carry on from bullshit. him. Bullshit, yeah clearly done on purpose so the gals they bond over this new info and Kate tells Joe that she got sick of Nick and Ben Coppers and would rather go after psychos who murdered Gail Vella Steve shows Ted she also says isn't that the point as well where Kate says I haven't given anyone else this information Yes, and there's a yeah. long, there's a very there's long a, yeah, stare. That's when yeah. I was like, oh, let's get it mm. on, maybe. <laughs> oh, you're both yeah. working together against Buckles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, so Steve shows Ted CCTV of the convoy passing the armed robbery now, baiting down the road, and Ted goes, "That convoy is going like the clappers." And then we get another line of juicy. You do well to spot a pipe band in there. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I missed that the first time as well. Like, it, honestly, he just delivers those lines so, so well. 
you would do well to spot a pipe band. Like I was thinking about that. And I'm like, if there was a pipe band on that road and I drove <laughs> past at the speed that Joe did in those interchangeable BMWs, I don't think I'd notice it. It's, no. it's, it is, it is ridiculous if, if that, if she actually didn't know about that before, like how of could you possibly? Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. No, no, no. she absolutely there was a van did. Like at least parked outside acres. a shop. You wouldn't even see if there was somebody in the van. Do you know what I mean? But guys, loads of people drive vans. You could have been an electrician. My dad had a van for years. At least Jane Acres, there was a car on fire. Like she had good reason to pull in. And even at that, people were like, "Do not pull in this convoy." Yeah, and and there was like, a woman screaming, "My baby, my baby!" With a truck. Yeah, exactly. this was nothing. No, it was absolutely like your man could have been gone in for a breakfast roll. It was ridiculous. So Steve wants to use Kate as a UCO. Ted promises to give it some thought. Then there's a montage of Steve buying lots of ibuprofen, which includes a cool shot where we're under the pharmacy counter. Then he heads home to eat noodles. Guys, noodles that are so bereft of colour. Oh, I have not been able to stop thinking about them. Oh my God, they're anemic. How? Were they chicken flavour? Like what was going on? They're from the, the Chinese. Brendan, honestly... I have. Th- they were from the Chinese because they were in a metal tray. If you boiled them in milk, you wouldn't have got them to <laughs> oh be so unappetizing as what he had. I need two trays of them. Guys, two. I have and a random bad. observation here as well, right? So obviously there's all the pharmacy scenes and, and Steve, it's looking like he's addicted to codeine because he's buying Nurofen or ibuprofen or whatever. Um, people kept saying, oh God, poor Steve and his bells. Yes. Apparently, like that makes you very You're constipated. Stuck. Guys, I can't take in your Can you imagine plus. a Chinese and all that ibuprofen? Like he must be in bits. No wonder and he's grumpy. He has oh. all his shit. He's washing them down with the Corona. I do like the nod to Corona. I liked that. I just liked the way he was drinking Corona. Oh, I didn't. I didn't well, I say he nearly vomited when Kate suggested an Indian later in the episode. <laughs> That's what's going on inside. Am I clear him out though? <laughs> No, guys, no, ibuprofen, I'm... like, cut the stomach off you. Oh, God. But it's so loads of people are really concerned about yeah. Steve's bowel movements. <laughs> well, I honestly am after that food. That place needs to be shut down. <laughs> so, in Kate's new apartment, she gets a text from the ex, Mark, right? Now, just a little side note. Fleming is his name. His name is Mark Fleming. That's her married name. Mm. Her maiden name is Donnelly. Wonder will that ever come back? So... He's at the cinema with Josh again. Now, I hope that man has an Odeon card because the pair of them are flat out at the <laughs> cinema and it was the same in season five. Must have been two Every for one Tuesdays. That child. Or, oh, or five I hope or they Wednesdays. Get yeah, because guys, the cinema in the UK is an absolute joke. Whatever about over here is honestly about 50 pounds to go. And every time she tries and sees her son, they're at the cinema night and day. Um, so I was thinking I would wish Kate and Steve would move in together as mates during this montage of them both being lonely in their flats. That could be cute. Like, you know, she could help him with his nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was... It's the next day, right? Well, guys, the chiz is only bleeding dead. Oh, God. He fell off. Fell the off. The chiz is dead. Missing now dead. Fe- fell off mm. a deserted building. We learned that he was a low-level offender named Alistair Oldroyd. No witnesses to his fall. And it happened in a blind spot. So Farida, who watched on, is like, fuck this. And she calls Steve back and she's bawling down the phone. And she says, you've no idea what she's capable of. Farida tells Steve when he asks if Joe could have been involved in the death of the Chiz. So, yeah, but also Joe like, he and clearly was pushed by someone. And I also do yeah. find it very weird that your man, you know, DS Marks, who was his handler, why would he not have, if he was so worried about him, just told Joe and thing? I know it's probably against protocol, but like his life was clearly going to be in danger. Why did he not give that information? 
Do you think Marx is dodgy? I think we might be seeing more of him when they announced the cast for season six. I, I don't know. I just was a bit like, found that a bit strange. Yeah, and there was a lot of tension between the two of them as well. She's like his mom in your vocabulary. Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. just think we yeah. might he might be getting another visit. So Joe and Chris interview Terry again and Kate watches on. Here's what we learn. The second set of prints in the Beachwood flat belong to a Carl Banks. There is a fridge freezer missing from Terry's Kingsgate flat. There are traces of cocaine and heroin found in Terry's Kingsgate flat. Now, we know the OCG were using his fridge freezer to store Jackie Laverty's leg. So I presume they were also using other parts of the flat to store drugs. Lastly, we learned that Terry's little fellas were found on photos of Gail Vella in the collage on the wall in his Kingsgate flat. Finally, an item of clothing found in the Kingsgate flat had gunshot residue on it. Now, Terry isn't giving up any information. He grows increasingly distressed. I was just like, Terry, come on, speak up for yourself. I was just willing him to, to just speak he must be terrified like they're yeah. literally doing to him the OCG have done that to, to so many people but also the surely the police they're, they're intelligent people they can see that it's all all the evidence is so convenient it's yeah. clearly placed remember when Dot put the banknotes in Steve's bag yeah. in his car at the end it's too perfect yeah exactly but guys, unless you're one of those police officers that's willing to go up against it and work all the late hours and potentially sacrifice your career, yeah. a lot of these people that are in just charge want the here conviction. just want the conviction because number one, it's the easy way out. And number two, they're probably under pressure from dodgy Andrea boys up above them. Buckle screaming at Joe every time she's in the office. Like yeah. it's, there's a lot. So obviously it's completely wrong, but I can see how you just might Case closed, done. Yeah, and also, Carl Banks, the second I heard Banks, I was like, Lee Banks, our pal in Blackthorn Prison, season five, Fruit of the Loom. Fruit of the Loom, gorgeous, great. Yeah, Rev, you were on the live tweets and that tweet picked up a lot of traction because, of course, Jed doesn't put those things in by accident. There's some sort of relation there. So, Terry, yeah, he wasn't giving up any info. He's grown increasingly distressed, as is Kate at her team's line of inquiry. She's watching on in a monitor in another room. So Joe is desperately trying to build a case against Terry. She's now going down the route of implying that he was obsessed with Gail Vella and killed her when he couldn't have her. So outside the hill, Steve flashes Kate from his car. I mean, you see her from space. Four times, dot, 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 H in Morse code. (laughs) (laughs) Like bloody hell, governor. Seriously. And when Kate gets in the car, guys, line of juicy. What kind of knobby signal was that? I mean, come on, like, you're meant to, you're, uh, look, it was ridiculous, four blinding flashes. It was really funny, really, really funny. (laughs) It was funny. Um, He turns down the invite of a curry and asks Kate to go undercover on Davidson. Now, she is not happy at all, but it's the complete catch-22. She either goes undercover. (laughs) That poor man's stomach couldn't take it. (laughs) So she's not happy at all. Like, she either goes undercover or they think she's undercover and she's not. So she might as well go undercover, I think, is what she comes to at the end of it. But she's having to think about it for now. Before getting out of the car, she actually tells Steve about Carl Banks, giving her mate a bit of intel. 
this new in-talent fact is what gets the investigation over the line with Ted. There was also something really quickly there, sorry, that um, Kate said in the car with Steve. She was like, oh, the gaffer. And she goes, oh, why am I still calling him the gaffer? And I was like, "Mm, why are you still calling him the gaffer, Kate? That was very heavy-handed, I thought. Mm. Mm. Let's save that for thoughts and theories. So back at AC12, yes, Steve has his investigation over the line. It's authorized. And he has a little bit of a spark back. And that was really nice to see because depressed Steve, I don't need it in the middle of a pandemic. Do you know what I mean? No, you're right. I want my old mate to be happy. So it's nighttime and Joe arrives at a house with a travel suitcase. And oh my God, Farida is there. It quickly becomes obvious that they're at the end of a very bad relationship with Joe instigating the breakup. She grabs her clothes out of an absolutely beautiful walk-in wardrobe as the pair fight and it appears that Farida is paranoid, making claims that Joe was with Kate, not believing that she doesn't have a family, slicing leather jackets in half. Joe's like, fuck this and leaves and Farida's absolutely sobbing she brought the sliced leather jacket though which was really strange I was like you know space in that uh, suitcase is at a premium and you're bringing a leather jacket that's sliced to bits why would you bother she's gonna bring that jacket back out and try and discredit Farida at some point or make her look crazy when she's going up against her uh, and here's my thing guys in that whole scene I was like is Joe one of those toxic people that has literally turned Farida into a paranoid mess because of her behavior because of her late night meetups with whoever she's like reporting into because I believe she's dodgy and now she's just gaslighting Frida and being like you're a paranoid bitch bye yeah and also you know she's I mean? like Frida's like you like you don't have a family you say you don't have a family how do you not have a family and and Joe's just like I don't have a family but then sure we find mm. out that there is somebody close to her at the end of the series in a photo yeah like I I've seen a lot of people online just be like oh Farida the bunny boiler or you know she's just reporting into AC12 on Joe because she's like a woman scorned but I honestly think Joe is just gaslighted yeah. the shite out of her yeah, yeah. and now she doesn't know what's going on to be honest with you so Joe is back at her stunning apartment complete with a blue smeg fridge freezer now that was a gorgeous juxtaposition to Terry's missing appliance that I just felt I couldn't pass why does she have a gorgeous smeg that we stopped at for a moment and Terry doesn't have a fridge freezer. What are they trying to say to us? Also, shout out to the person who asked uh, if Rebecca and myself are recording from Joe's gorgeous uh, apartment. They put photos. We put up a photo the other week of um, the room we're in. (laughs) And so we've no soundproofing on the walls because we ordered it. But because of Brexit, it didn't get delivered. So we just propped up some cushions, but it's the exact same pattern and colour scheme (laughs) as Joe's Smeg apartment. Ikea and Primark or Penny's hun in in Ireland. Um, It's very Carrie Bradshaw sex in the city first movie her having another flat that's teal that she goes to when she wants to when she's having a fight with the partner I couldn't stop laughing at that also someone tweeted us and they're like oh dear god teal walls and sage they were like I'd run a mile and not trust her and I was like that's literally me your house I have a teal sitting room and I I saged the house when people come over you saged me um and Rob, just like um, Joe Davidson, you also have 75 dead bolts on the door, don't you? <laughs> exactly, I do, I do. Bloody hell. Honestly, though, that apartment is absolutely stunning. How is she affording that? High well, end why would they interiors? live in if she had that like, open plan? Also, yeah, imagine if a smeg fridge was your plan B. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but what's in that smeg fridge? Why does she have the locks That's on the door? Bloody hell, it's mad. Because if... 
if I was going to move in with my other half and downsize on the square footage drastically, I'd at least bring the smeg. They're about two and a half grand. And baby blue, I feel like that's quite rare. Yeah. So she, do you know what I mean? She reaches into the smeg anyway for a chilled vino before dramatically staring at a photo of her younger self with a woman we presume to be her mother. Lots of conversation around the fact that it might be Anne-Marie McGillis. They both have 80s hairstyles and, you know, they're sort of like dark dark hair, dark eyebrows, similar age. But honestly, I think, I don't think they're the same person. I think that's where the comparisons stop. But then Joe does a dock cotton and bounces the wine glass <laughs> off the picture frame while sobbing. I don't think I've ever seen somebody stare at a photograph for so long. Like I've watched the episode twice and I felt like it was a very long stare. Yeah, like if you're an apartment pet, if it's upsetting, you just take it down. Yeah, you don't need to have it up. No, why is it up? And then I'm like, I, I don't know. Also, on... Um, D- on Joanne Davidson's file that's shown up in the start of the episode when Ted's looking at it, her next of kin is a Mrs. Samantha Davidson. And I was like, well, is that her mum or is the woman in the picture her actual mum? You know, there's a few theories about this, but it's yeah, it's very strange. Also, her just saying she doesn't have a family, she clearly does have a significant person in her life in that photo. Yeah, and I'd say Frida hasn't stepped foot in that apartment because she wouldn't have that photo up and all the locks are so dodgy. We'll come back to the locks and thoughts or theories, but I'd be very interested to hear why you guys think they're there. So the next day, Joe and Buckles have a heated row in the hillside briefing room. He's in an absolute flap because he doesn't have anything decent to report back to the chief on the Vela murder. Kate sees an opportunity and follows Joe into the hallway to suss out what happened. Joe's released Terry without charge and there's an affectionate hand touch and an awkward moment where the two go their separate ways. Are there real feelings there? Who's playing who? Has Kate already agreed to go undercover for AC12? Is Joe just playing her? Are they already lovers? Are they already lovers? It seemed you know, very Kate real? season one to Tony Gates. Do you remember she was trying really hard at Tony Gates? Yeah. But like she wasn't coming drink. on to him, but she was just trying to gain his, his trust. I just, I don't know. Is she just, um, is she just trying to see now if she's bent? I don't know. I don't trust anyone. So the theme music builds as Terry is released. His flat is still a crime scene. So he'll be staying at police approved premises. No doubt. And I have no doubt that he will be in those premises under the watchful eye of newly qualified copper Ryan, the bent bastard Pilkington, because isn't that a posting that you would give to someone that's just out of training to just stand in front of a yes, door? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I feel, I really worry about Terry's oh, safety. Guys, Terry's a goner. That's that what line, I wrote in ambush. Yeah, that line, you know, you'll be safe there, Terry. <laughs> Terry, you won't. No, I'm sorry no, to break no. It, you pet. I am worried for you, Terry. Joe watches as he's led away in a police car. Does she know what's about to happen? And that is season six, episode one. Hannah, well done. Amazing recap. Well done. Stunning attention to detail. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Okay, some Thank thoughts. Thank you, my love. Some thoughts and theories. There have been many. They, uh, they're amazing. Uh, some of them are really detailed and really long, so I've had to cut some of them down, but we have read them, so thank you very much. Uh, you can email all of your thoughts and theories, as always, to shrinepod at gmail.com. Uh, starting with uh, Sasaka, I think. Um, she says, Hi, guys. Hope you're well. After watching the episode, Buckles and Davidson are corrupt. However, whether or not Buckles is H is a wait-and-see approach, although after episode one, I think it's a red herring but Buckles is corrupt. It's clear that the OCG orchestrated the robbery with the teenagers who were first-time offenders and told Davidson while Buckles fucked up uh, the paperwork, meaning they had enough time to do the switcheroo of Terry and the suspects. Uh, Also, the OCG were given time by Buckles to allow them to scrub the flats, move the fridge, which had a certain someone from season one. Hello, Jackie Lav. Uh... The big question of season six is Terry. We know Terry uh, knew about Ryan and what was inside the fridge. The big thing I find interesting is uh, Davidson's mother, who she seems to hate. Could she have been part of the humble beginning of the OCG, as well as the possibility of Tommy being her father? Um... She then says, I I think the reporter was killed because she may have actually cracked either who H's, the other heads of the OCG, or my particular favourite, that Wise and Rohan are both corrupt. Wise came in for Dryden at the end of season two and Rohan got his job last year. Uh, They may have helped the OCG in exchange for them to block inquiries and business. Brilliant. I think that's uh, a fairly uh, concrete sounding theory to me. Uh, Maria yeah. Maria Heron says, hey guys, love the podcast. Uh, this may be a dead end, but Joe's file when presented... Sorry, I love this, uh, this theory because as I put this theory into my theories earlier, uh, Maria emailed me again. So this is going back to what Reb just said a minute ago. Uh, Joe's file when presented by Steve to Ted doesn't say Joe. It says Mrs. Samantha Davidson. She's like completely different name, goes off on a wild theory and then emailed again and went, P.S. Being told it's actually her mother. <laughs> it's her next to kin on the file. Yeah, I had to go back and figure it out. They did it on purpose. They blocked off the side of the file. Right. So you think that wasn't okay. her real name. It was very, very juicy. Up next, uh, Catherine Wilson says, uh, Farida went to AC12, not AC3 or 9, because she trusts them to do their job. Or so reckons Steve. I reckon Farida's picked AC12 specifically. She knows there's bad blood between Hastings and Kate. I think she wants to set up both Kate and Joe. She says, how would Farida know there's bad blood between Hastings and Kate? Buckles. He too wants to frame things, but for a different purpose. He's bent... But thick guys, so many people's theories and thoughts have, have they're just like um, Buckles is just a bit of an the idiot. The golf club's in the back yeah. of that shot as well. I loved that. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't stop laughing at that. Uh, Catherine says there's nothing sophisticated going on with Buckles. He's uh, just basic backhanders. How else does someone as shite <laughs> as him become DCSI? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Five, he's getting absolutely ripped apart. He moving really on is. Up, moving on up. Uh, Catherine also <laughs> says Farida's, Farida is one of the first detectives on the scene where the chiz has fallen to his death. She says she sent a picture to the handler who confirms uh, it is the chiz. She promptly rings Steve, says their key witness just died. I think Farida is lying. This is not the chiz. I mean... We haven't I'm suspected Farida because we've. I felt so bad for her watching the episode. Yeah. But, I mean, she she does no buckles for a good few years now. Yeah. Um, no. Maria then says... I'm not having it, guys. Farida got gaslit by Joe. That's what I'm saying. That's it. Catherine then says... She's innocent. Catherine says, Carl Banks is getting framed for framing Terry. Terry's not even a framing storyline. It's so obvious that he didn't kill Vela. Uh, Terry called Vela a nice lady. Um, Catherine says she was an investigative journalist who lived near him did what all the police and social services failed to do in a decade on line of duty spotted a vulnerable person being exploited by OCGs she wanted to know more and probably understood the link to corruption in police she took an interest in Terry poor Terry may have even witnessed the murder could Terry be the chiz? Oh, okay. Wow. I hadn't even thought of oh that. Oh my God. Um, and her final point, Joe Davison was brought in to investigate Vela's death a month after the murder, as we mentioned earlier, taking over from a previous SIO. Who was that SIO? Joe Can says, Kate is deep undercover already investigating either Buckles or Joe. She couldn't adopt a pseudonym because A, she's run out of surnames beginning with F. <laughs> <laughs> and B, she's already known to Buckles. Instead, she yes. had to officially transfer and operate in plain sight, which I think is a very good possibility. Yeah, yeah it could be a Can I bluff. elaborate on that a little yeah. bit? Because this is my theory and I feel it very strongly about it. And I thought about it for a good 45 minutes when I was washing my hair last night and I can't find... Like, you know, a lot of our theories that we talk about on here, there's like gaping plot holes or reasons why they mightn't be true. But we're like, but guys, maybe... This one is bulletproof, right? So here's what I think happened. The fun over at AC12 and the exciting cases are drying up because everyone higher up is turning against Ted based on what happened in season five. So they're bored shitless. Kate's obviously clearly gone through a a serious separation or divorce with her husband. She doesn't have custody of her son. She goes to Ted and is like, look, I'm bored out of my head here. As is Steve, he's depressed within an inch of his life. I'm going to move on. And Ted goes, okay, fair enough. However, if you, like, why don't you basically move on, 90% move on. You get to go over there, work for murder investigation, whole new team, use your own name, no undercover, you know, go on their payroll, but you're secretly, secretly working for me. You're on a deep undercover investigating buckles because... Ted knows that Philip Osborne is the dodgy boy. It's the whole reason Steve works for AC12 because he wouldn't lie for him in season one and Ted noticed that and hired Steve. Ted knows that Buckles has been placed in charge of operation, of that whole, of the hill basically, of the whole operation into Galvella's murder and he's like, I need one of my own over there to look into this but it needs to be deep, deep, deep. So that's what I think is going on with Kate and I think that Ted was very hesitant to let Steve put Kate as a UCO because he knows that she already is one for him. And Steve doesn't, I and don't Steve think Steve knows. Know. Yeah, I, I completely Steve agree does not with know Steve at all. Know. Yeah, because Ted I does seem really Ted pissed knows. off with Kate, but is he just putting it on? He's like that loyalty. I think he's putting it on. Yeah, yeah okay. And like, I think Kate would have had the leaving party. I think she would have officially left. Like, she's over there working in murder. She has the right if she left she before Fleming. COVID. If she left, like, when after lockdown, first lockdown, she, would have, she wouldn't have had a leaving party. 
but she might have had a Zoom, Brendan. Maybe a Zoom. But I think I think Steve officially said goodbye to her, and I think there's going to be a moment, and I think it might be at the end of season four when we or episode four when Steve realizes that his mate didn't leave him, that she was there all along. Do you oh, know what mate. I mean? Oh God, I hope it's not too late. Fingers crossed. Uh, Sue, uh, the general gist of Sue's theory is that um, she thinks that uh, we were shown very obviously Steve going around bulk buying the ibuprofen uh, because she thinks that's going to be used against him in the end. She fears that Steve is going to be killed and his painkiller addiction is going to be used to cover it up. Oh my God. She says, can't wait for Wednesdays, you lovely Oh lot. my God. Thanks, Sue. Uh, Ellie Andrews says, woohoo, Lana Judy is back, fellas. Let's get down to business. It's probably nothing, but I noticed Kate was on the phone to someone at Hillside Lane after meeting the Chiz Handler. The Chiz Handler, I can't get over that phrase. It's disgusting. The Chiz Handler <laughs> was a sergeant. Joanne told him off for not calling her mom. So it would make sense for Kate to be asking, thanks for getting uh, back to me, Sarge. How do you spell that? The Chiz ended up dead the next day. Could Kate have been told the name over the phone and didn't disclose it? She spoke to Joe after about the surveillance, but she already had the file at her desk. I definitely think the if only we've been given his ID is significant. I mean, it's obviously going to turn out later that one of them did have it and sold him out. Hope not, but we were misdirected by Buckles and Joe in the same scene. Um, a lot of people saying Carl Banks killed Gail Vella in a lot of uh, thoughts and theories. Uh, Emma, Con- Guys, can I ask about Carl yeah. Banks, right? This is very... This I don't believe this, but I just want to think, could Ted be involved in Gail's murder via the secret meet with Lee Banks? I mean, it's possible because Jed Mercurio did say, Brandon, you mentioned this in our season five recap, that Ted did in fact tell Lee Banks that John Corbett was uh, a police officer embedded deeply in the OCG. And then John was killed the next week. Yeah. And what what I just find so weird about that scene is that he was driven there. Yes, and we never saw the conversation. Yeah. yeah, We haven't seen the conversation and we never saw the driver. Why would he, if he was going to get someone killed? And this also applies to the Gail Vella theory. Let someone drive him. You would go in secret. Yeah, I think we're going to be coming back to, to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Emma Costello thinks that Kate is 100% aware of Joanne's feelings and will use this to her advantage now that AC12 have opened an investigation into Joanne's conduct. I think Kate will accept Steve's request to provide intel and go undercover. And in order for her to get the most valuable information, uh, that she will enter into a fake relationship with Joanne. Um, Emma also says Ted was in this episode uh, for far too little. Um I know he's laying low after the interrogation in season five, but I think it's more than that. Maybe it's because of whatever's on the laptop that was bubble wrapped in season five. Um, she's still convinced that the laptop's going to reappear at some stage and she thinks that Ted is storing crucial information on it that will either incriminate him or somebody else. Uh, we definitely, we spoke about this before. We think the he didn't bubble wrap the laptop because he was watching porn. No, there's, there's more no, to that. Absolutely no. not. Do you think he could have just been, because you know that scene from season, the other day on a rewatch where he's in his hotel room and the laptop is facing us and very clearly the OCG MSN is open. So I thought that maybe he was like researching their past conversations. That's how he knew to use definitely wrong. And that's how he knew how to converse with them. And he thought that he better hide the laptop because if they do a search, they'll find that software even if he's deleted it. And it's just not going to look good for him, even though he probably could have just been doing, doing a bit of work. Oh, that's not very exciting. Yeah. Um, 
I love this theory from Sarah Flanagan. She says, a couple of theories came up on Twitter, which I have investigated. Findings below. Theory A, Chloe Bishop, she's a great wee girl, is Tony Gates's daughter. Now, Sarah says, Tony did have a daughter called Chloe, who was at a private school, funded by Jackie Lav, RIP, always in our hearts. These are Sarah's words. Um, this seemed to be, <laughs> yeah, this is written. Uh, this seemed to be a prep school, so five to 11 years. Source, I'm a teacher. So both girls would have been aged 11 or under at the time. This will put her in the age range of 19 to 21, so a bit unlikely for her to be a DC by now. V- Sarah's verdict, implausible, but let's keep an open mind. Oh, wow. Right? I love it. Uh, Theory B, uh, as investigated by Sarah Flanagan, is Joanne's mother is Anne-Marie, John Corbett's mother. Um, So Sarah says, we saw a picture of Joanne's mother in her flat and people thought she resembled Anne-Marie. However, this doesn't add up at all. No other living child of Anne-Marie's was mentioned in series five and she was murdered in 1989. So Joanne would have had to have been older than John Corbett or the same age and already living elsewhere at the time Ted knew the family. Also, factor in that picture of Joanne's mum looked absolutely bloody nothing like Anne-Marie. Verdict? Bollocks. (laughs) Bollocks. <laughs> Investigations ongoing. Brilliant. Best wishes, Sarah. <laughs> She's brilliant. We'll be out of the job. Yeah, I love that, Sarah. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Lewis Bryan Let's says... actually... Well, we tweeted out a photo of Anne-Marie McGillis alongside the photo from Joe's flat, maybe. Oh, yeah, do a side-by-side so people can uh, take a look for themselves. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Bryant says, Howdy gang, long time no sleep waiting for season six. Main theory for me right now is surrounding Terry and his possible fate. And basically Lewis's theory is, is what we just mentioned there. And he's, he's questioning how safe Terry's going to be in that safe flat. Uh, Mark Cruz says, One thing I thought was a bit of a tell was uh, Joe's reaction to the shooting of uh, one of the suspected uh, bookmaker armed robbers. Uh, he points out that uh, she said, Shit, 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 shit. Um, and he just thinks that there's a bit of a, a question mark over that one. Um, he said they agreed to do the job knowing they'd probably get caught, but presumably were in debt to the OCG, so with little choice. But getting shot dead was never part of the deal. He then says, by the way, Brendan made me laugh out loud in the last pod, referring to Jodie as Roz Huntley's right-hand woman. Just a good job. She wasn't her left-hand woman, I thought. <laughs> uh, Henry Board says, firstly... <laughs> This Okay, this goes to uh, Joe's uh, apartment with all the locks. He says, the many locks. Joe obviously doesn't feel safe, and this may be why she's broken off her relationship with a colleague. Gail Vella is a news reporter that is probably killed by the OCG. Would this be Joe's ex and explain the extra door security to hide from the OCG? Carl Banks is now wanted. Is this the brother to Lee Banks? Is Kate deep undercover to investigate Buckles? Is the mum looking figure in Davison's photo and Marie McGillis? Wow. So there's a lot of people thinking the exact same things. And, uh, oh, okay. Can we so, discuss the locks for a second? Yes, guys? yes please. let's discuss the locks. Let's go deep on the locks. Okay, guys, what the fuck with the locks is going on? Is she trying to keep someone out or is she trying to keep someone in? in. Stop, guys. <gasps> in. We didn't see is there could be someone Bella. in the bedroom. Yeah, is, is Gail yeah. Bella tied up? In the bleeding bedroom. Well, no, if Not a, dead at all. If there's a murder investigation, they c- must have a body. They found her dead at the car, shot on the road, Kingsgate. I mean, how, is there, there must be a connection. Guys, who found her dead? Was it someone in forensics? Did someone in forensics Dots look at the prints in the body? In Was yes. it Dot's ex-wife? Yes. Dot, who worked at Hillside before coming to AC12? I rest my case. Okay. I don't, I don't know about keeping someone in. Um, well, think about it. Okay, say, so for instance, Joe and um, 
Gail knew each other. Was there someone else involved in that? Does get like does Gail have a secret child or something? Or I don't know. Is it, it, <laughs> it, it does? Is is she keeping someone in? Is like you don't need that many locks. That I, is a fire hazard. I don't think she's keeping the OCG out. I think she's keeping senior corrupt officers out. Yeah, because, she doesn't feel safe. Like, those locks are the you know when they bust the door in. You know when they're like armed police and they have that big uh, like it's like a boulder that they just shove the door. Like those locks would stop that. Yeah, or is there someone from police. her past that she's worried about coming back? And well, like, guys, she doesn't feel safe. Are all on- they're all on one side of the door. Like That's the other side of the door is just a hinge. It's so and securely then, shot on that side that the hinges will just come clean off. Exactly. And the, exactly. And then the like the back of her apartment is just floor to ceiling windows. Surely Gail Vella would just fling herself out <laughs> at that stage. She's been locked up for a bleeding time. Throw months. the smeg fridge out the window and jump out after. Yeah, exactly. Also, if it's a wooden door, lads, the locks are a waste of time. That needs to be a metal door because the locks are just OTT. We have one final theory. Um, this is from Anna Goldstone who says, love the show. So here's a batshit theory. I've been doing a Line of Duty rewatch ready for Sunday and I noticed that Ross Huntley in Series 4 and Lisa McQueen in Series 5 are wearing identical earrings. Oh my God. Little silver triangles. Oh my God. And then brackets, I've attached poor quality screenshots, but trust me on this. What does this mean? Are they connected? Maybe secret sisters? Is Huntley another H? Just a wardrobe coincidence? Do I have too much time on my hands? I'm losing my mind, aren't I? Would love to hear your thoughts, Anna Goldstone. Oh my gosh, amazing, amazing. And also, thank you so much to everybody who sent us in these incredibly detailed theories on social media as well as email. Uh, We've had so many coming in to at Trimepod. And honest to God, guys, I actually haven't been able to sleep a wink. Like (laughs) some of these are crazy and so accurate and so observant. So I love the people that listen to this podcast, guys. They're just all absolutely hilarious. Yeah, absolutely love it. So I'm going to just rush through a few of these, okay? First up, at Best of LOD, great account to follow. They pointed out on Twitter, what if Terry didn't kill Gail, but knows who did and has proof? Do you remember in season five when he said that he forgets things and that's why he takes photos? So someone needs to check Terry's phone. ASAP. Good point. Um, Suzanne Curley tweeted us and she says that her theory is that Joe Davidson is somewhere to Tommy Hunter um, and that this theory is completely unsubstantiated aside from the fact that they are both Scottish. <laughs> um, Ellie's been on and she thinks that the contents of Terry's missing freezer are now in Joe's stunning Smeg fridge in her flat. Do we think that that's They didn't thing? find the whole of Jackie. Yeah. They put some of her body parts in the bag with uh, John Corbett and yeah. So she's keeping people out because... The rest of Jackie's in the smeg. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, Roxana reckons that Kate is actually bent. Joanna's uh, an AC12 undercover officer in MIT investigating Kate. Um, Kirsty says, I reckon Kate has been placed undercover by someone higher up than AC12, told to pretend that she's leaving the unit for MIT because what she's investigating is linked to Ted. Hence why Ted is being frozen out of meetings with Andrea Wise. Um, that's interesting. Also, a guy called Adam Parkin um, has tweeted us, and uh, also someone called AC12 Ninja on Twitter. They bo- both pointed out that, this is so interesting, guys, IMDb, right? The credits on IMDb state that AFO Briggs, played by Patrick Buchanan, featured in Sunday night's episode, right? So it's believed that he was one of the AFOs from Joanne's team on the way to arrest this said Ross Turner. This is really significant because AFO Briggs was the one who arrived on the scene at the end of season three, episode six, after Dot was shot. There must be some reason why Jed included him in season six. Um, so AC12, it's A, 
Y-S-E-E and then spelled 12. That's the handle. Great account to follow. Then goes on to say that in the scripts for season four, it specifically mentioned that Dot's dying declaration was filmed from an AFO's body camera. Um, the script confirms that Kate spoke slash argued with Briggs on the recording. In the script, you can see that just a brief kind of, I think he's like, here, get out of the way. We're doing the scene and Kate's like, give me a minute. And um, so it's looking like Briggs works at Hillside Lane Police Station. And as we know from a throwaway remark in season one that Doss used to as well, like you said, Hannah, earlier on. So when he basically said in season one briefly, oh, the best I got at Hillside Lane was a pint after work. And um, so Davidson's obviously accused of holding up the operation to arrest the Vela suspect. Uh, by getting involved in that bookies robbery but it was in fact an AFO that did, did discharge the firearm and shot one of the robbers so Davidson couldn't have forced that to happen on her own so there must be someone on the AFO team involved yeah. in that with her yeah to make that delay happen to manufacture that delay and um, I thought that yeah. was so so interesting and um, we were just briefly chatting about how some people think that the person in the photo with Joanne at the end of the episode could be Anne-Marie McGillis, who was John Corbett's mum that Ted knew from his past in season five. Well, as someone called Monkey Thumbs on Twitter has taken a different take on this. Um, and they say that the woman in the photo with Joanne Davidson could be her mum who died. And then this led to Joe being sent to a home. Also, all of the bookies robbers were from the same care home. It said that they were from the same care home on their files. That could really obviously feed into the list that was um, Lindsay Denton sent very quickly at the end of season three. Yeah. So it could all link to the care home situation, Fairbanks, all of that. And finally, an excellent theory spotted by someone on Twitter that made so many clickbait headlines was Chiz. Okay. So we know that Chiz is covert human intel or intelligence source. I saw on Twitter that someone wrote, what if Chiz stands for clearly H is Steve. <laughs> it really makes you think. <laughs> um, so oh, very interesting theories. I honestly, people are so observant. I, I need people to help me figure out line of duty sometimes. Yeah. Um, thanks for all of your thoughts and theories. Uh, you can keep sending them in to us. We're at Shrine Pod on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And you can always email us as well at shrinepod at gmail.com. So looking at... Guys, while we're on the topic of H there, very, very quickly, my auntie texted in a uh, theory and just said that the full official name for the Freemasons, for the Masons, is the Honourable H Fraternity of Ancient Freemasons. And she just wondered, is that the H? Now, I know that was kind of disbanded at the end of the last episode or at the end of the last episode of season five. But I just thought that was very interesting. I do think the whole Masonic Ted Fairbanks handshake might pop back up again. Yeah, well, it definitely, I think it's going to pop up again because there has, uh, a trailer has been released for next week's episode, season six, episode two, and Fairbanks is in the trailer. Okay, so oh my god, I haven't seen it yet. Looking ahead to next week's episode, it was only released today. I find found it in the Line of Duty official Facebook page. It's very good, very interesting. And um, the overview online says AC12 suspect a cover up as they probe DCI Joanne Davidson's team for the officers sabotaging the inquiry into Gail Vela's murder. As the team dig further, the investigation takes a shocking turn when they begin to scrutinise DCI Joanne Davidson's personal life. So we're in for a shocker <laughs> next week, lads, Cannot or this, this Sunday. And um, so, yeah, the 18 second teaser trailer has been released, right? It starts with a quick shot of the Fairbanks trial. You know, that scene of him being bundled, bundled into the car away from the yeah. press and um, from the end of season three. 
then we see Gail Vella reporting um, with Ted asking, what is the motive for Gail Vella's murder? Was she reporting on the Fairbanks trial? Yeah. She easily could have been. Okay, then Davidson and Kate attend some sort of crime scene. Forensics are there. Some fans have speculated that Sam Railston could be one of the blurry figures in the background of this scene. You can't really see it properly. It's very, very quick. Over the shots of Joanne frantically crying in the front seat of her car. It's really quick, guys. She's pressing at the glass like she can't get out, like she's trapped. It's so dramatic. It almost looks like she is trapped or she's being attacked by someone in the back seat. Is um, that the car that went into the water in the full trailer? She's we saw? parked. She's parked here. She's parked in this scene, right? But something is going on. And Joanne's voiceover in the clip says, you've been doing this job for long enough to realise that we can never know for sure. So I think she's saying that to Kate, right? So then the next scene... It's Kate, she's ringing Steve, she's saying sorry, and a very angry Steve replies saying, I trusted you, mate. Has Steve found out that Kate is deep undercover, maybe, but hiding in plain sight, perhaps? Perhaps? One of the theories that was sent Mm. in to us was that Kate ratted Steve out for not being clear to go back to work and that he's, like, addicted to painkillers. Oh, wow, well, Mm. that could be it. Oh, Um, shit, yeah, baby. So Ted then ends the short trailer by saying, no more beating around the bush. We raid Operation Lighthouse. We then see Steve and a team walking with purpose towards what I assume is Hillside Station before a quick glimpse of a gunman hiding behind a car that shoots and his bullet lands smack bang in the middle of the line of Juicy logo. Um, very special thanks to Lizzie P on Twitter with some great observations on that trailer earlier on, sending them into us at Shrine Pod. The trailer for next week looks very good, guys. I think I- we're in for a treat cannot wait uh, before we go a huge thank you to all of our new supporters on Patreon uh, among the new patron Kates this week uh, we've got Jill Phillips Claire McKay Michelle Corrie Paul Groombridge Lauren Kavna, Anne O'Keefe Ian Elliott and Shona McAllister and everyone else as well thank you so much if you'd like to support Shrine of Duty you can find us on patreon.com forward slash Shrine Pod well fellas we couldn't be more excited for Sunday Martin Comston has said that it is quote unquote bombshell after bombshell from episode two onwards. Like I can't. I'm contain actually myself. nervous. Like yeah. I got nervous before last Sunday's episode. I'm up to ninety. Oh, that's a lot that goes on. Like I don't want Steve and Kate to be fighting. I don't want there to be a gunshot. Do you know what I mean? I want to see more Ted. I definitely want to see more Ted. And also, guys, I had a thought that I meant to say as well. Um, they, the, the cast have kept saying, like, very strongly that, oh, you know, uh, with season seven, with season seven and season seven. And I was <gasps> like, would they all be in cahoots? And they, like, keep talking about a season seven so that none of us expect that they're going to wipe everyone out no, and it, end oh on God, season Brendan, six. Stop, I couldn't take No, it. but they might, like, it's something no, that they yeah. would do on this show Imagine. to keep going, oh, well, you know, season seven, season seven, so that none of us expect this to be the end. Oh, I feel sick. And I seen another tweet that uh, that was talking about that trailer. Um I just didn't realise that clip was in that new trailer at the time that was basically like, oh, look at Joe being locked into a car and then she's like locking herself into her house. Is there something going on there with her? So that's just something we can simmer on for the next five, four nights. Yeah, simmer we will do as well. Uh, guys, please, if you would like to give us a five-star rating, we love an all five stars. Uh, subscribe if you haven't done, and if you know of other Line of Duty fans, uh, please tell them about us as well. We'll be live tweeting on Sunday, as always, and if you want to chat in the meantime, we're at ShrinePod on social or ShrinePod at gmail.com. Bye, fellas. Bye, guys.
double lock that front door. You never know who's coming to take your smeg. <laughs> Interview terminated. Go on. Piss off. This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at ShrinePod. 